Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. Now notice, he says, the former account I made. Well, who is this? Who's, who wrote the book of Acts? Well, we understand it was Luke. Luke is the one that wrote the book of Acts. Luke is referred to in the word as the beloved physician. So he was a physician. The former account that I made of the what would be the former account that Luke made that he's referring to? Well, that would be the gospel of Luke, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. So if you go to the gospel of Luke, it starts with the nativity, Jesus' birth. In fact, the gospel of Luke uh, has more detail on all these things than Matthew, Mark, and John. It's the most, most detailed of all the gospel, maybe because he was a physician and he was into the details. He says, Everything that Jesus did from his nativity to his crucifixion, death, burial, and being raised up from the dead. He said all of that is what Jesus began to do. Notice that. Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So the entire gospel of Luke, the entire recorded life of Jesus is just the beginning of what he has set out to do. It's just the start. And so the book of Acts is actually the continuation of what Jesus began. He began something, and now it continues on until this day, because even the book of Acts really doesn't have an ending. It just kind of the writing ends abruptly, but you can see the story still goes on. It's still being written or walked out today. It's still being accomplished today. All that Jesus began to do. So what he began is supposed to be continuing on through the book of Acts, through the church, throughout all generations until Jesus returns to us again. Praise God. So it's just the beginning what he did. We're supposed to imitate what he did, continue what he did. Hallelujah. So get a hold of it. That's who you are. You're a part of the body of Christ, a member of the body of Christ, body of the anointed one. You are anointed with the anointing that Jesus was anointed with because you're a part of his body. So you're anointed with what Jesus was anointed with to carry out what Jesus carried out, what Jesus began to do. We are to continue that. That's who we are. So we need to see ourselves as in him. 
and him in us, and that we are one with him. We need to see ourselves that way. So important. How we see God is important. How we see ourselves is important. And this is what the Bible says we are. We are one with him. We are members of his body, and therefore should be doing what we see him do, Matthew, Mark, and John. Everything we see all through the gospel, that needs to be going on in and through the church today, through us. Verse 2 again, until the day which he was taken up, and he, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Notice that. And he, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit had given commandments. Notice, Jesus wasn't functioning as God in the earth. He was God from eternity past, but when he became a man, he became a man and emptied himself of all his divine attributes as God. And he was a man. He took on the form of a servant. He looked like one of us, and he was led by the Spirit of God in everything he said and everything he did. Well, you know what? We're supposed to do the same thing. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says in Romans 8, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So he's the Son of God, but we are also to be sons of God, being led by the Spirit, just like Jesus was led. So when Jesus gave a command, the commandment he was given was through the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something he did of himself. It was through the Holy Spirit that he gave commandments to his apostles. And everything he did, he did through the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to have this idea that Jesus is in a class by himself that you and I could never attain to. No, 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 no. As God he is, but he became a man like us, and he brought us into his class. He came into our class, becoming a man, and then he brought us into his class by causing us to be sons of God, causing us to be born again, causing us to be anointed with what he was anointed with. So we are to walk even as Jesus walked when he was here on the earth. He didn't function as God. He functioned as a man yielded to the spirit of God. You are to function as a person yielded to the spirit of God. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. We're not going to walk just in the natural walk in the flesh. We're going to lean on the spirit of God. We're going to yield ourselves to him. I hope you got a hold of that. No, we're not just here for a teaching today. We're here for a transformation. Verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Notice that Jesus presented himself alive by many infallible proofs. God is a proof-giving God. God wants to prove things to you. Remember over there in the book of Malachi? 
He said, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. And he said, prove me this day whether I'll pour, whether I'll pour out to you the windows of heaven. I'll pour out such blessing on you, you won't be able to contain it. He says, come on, test me, test me. I will prove myself to be true. I will prove myself to be a man of a God of my word. So God is a God of proof. He's into proving things. We're talking about proof. We're talking about giving evidence. We're talking about giving confirmation, verification of the things that he says. That's why I love the Bible. It's not just words of man's wisdom, but the Spirit of God will prove it. He will verify it. He'll validate it. He will confirm it. He will confirm his word. And we see that, of course, in Mark 16, promise that God made to us about this. Mark, the 16th chapter. And in verse 20, it says, and they, his disciples, this is after Jesus rose from the dead, came, did what he did, and began something. Now he said to his disciples, let's go back. Let's, let's look what he said. He said to them in verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Do you believe that? Do you believe if you believe you're saved? You believe if somebody believes they're saved? All right. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Well, we believe that too. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. Now, who's going to do this? Those who believe. That's you. Are you a believer? So you believe that if you're a believer, you're saved. So if you believe as a believer, you're saved for believing. Then as a believer, he also says, in my name, you'll cast out demons. I got news for you. We're living in a demon-infested world. There's people that need demons cast out. You have authority in the name of Jesus to cast out demons. All right? We're not afraid of demons. We're not hiding from demons. We cast demons out. We've got the name of Jesus. That's what, this is who you are. This is what you do as a believer. They will speak with new tongues. Man, we're, we're speaking in tongues. And, 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 and most of us do. Most that are listening today, speak in tongues. If you don't, you need to. This belongs to you. As surely as believing causes you to be saved, he says those who believe will speak in tongues. Nothing confusing about this. He says in verse 18, they, the believer, will take, will the believer, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Praise God. I've claimed that. I remember one time I had some Chinese food. And uh, when I got home, my stomach started to feel like Mount Fuji. Like, you know, it's about to erupt, you know. And I slapped myself on the stomach and said, no, if I drink or eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt me. How much less this Chinese food. Jesus' name. No food poisoning is going to make me sick. 
I put my faith on it, and Mount Fuji just simmered down. Praise God. Hallelujah. Settled, settled right down. Praise God. Thank God. You know, we can bless our food, bless the things we drink, things we put in our body. Sometimes you don't know what really is all going in there. That's why you need to bless it. You bless it because the earth is under a curse, and you are blessed. And so bless the food that comes from a cursed earth before it goes into your body, and know that nothing harmful harmful can harm you. If they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, that's what believers do. It doesn't say, and they will stay six feet away from a sick person. That's what it said. Now, is there a time for that? Yes. There's a time for that, but we have to watch. We have to bring our faith up to a higher place, recognize who we are, what we've been called to do. We've been called to go right into the middle of the battle, lay our hands on the sick people. Forget about standing back. We're talking about getting in there, laying hands on, just like our Lord began to do. He laid hands on lepers, and they were commanded by law. To, to uh, social distance, to stay at least 100 feet away from someone that was a leper. In fact, if someone was a leper and they were coming near anybody or if somebody was coming near them, they were to cry out, leper, leper. Let everybody know they're a leper so the people can all run, run and get away from them. But not Jesus. Jesus walked right up to them, laid hands on them, and healed them. And that is what he's commanded you and I to do. Jesus, over in Luke chapter 10, in verse 8, it says, Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick there. That's what you do. When you go there, heal the sick there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. That's what you say. You go in there, you heal the sick, and say the kingdom of God is, is near you. What does that mean? That means wherever you go, the kingdom of God goes. When you get near people, the kingdom of God gets near people. Being near the kingdom of God heals people. Think about that. Being near the kingdom, he says, heal them and tell them. The kingdom of God has come near you. So being near the kingdom of God heals people. But, when the kingdom of God is within you through the new birth, you're not just healed, you're a healer. And friend, that's who we are. Come on, we're renewing our minds, getting back to who we are. We're getting back to the book of Acts. Who are we? We are not just healed, we are healers. That's that's who we are. We carry the kingdom of God wherever we go. We carry the righteousness, the peace, the joy of the Holy Spirit. We carry healing power wherever we go, all right? So back here at Mark, Jesus is giving the Great Commission. He's saying, believers will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Are you afraid to lay hands on the sick? We ought not be. I mean, we shouldn't even be close to fearing sickness. No, no, we're, we're not in fear. Now, we use wisdom. 
I think all Christians need to practice good hygiene. Uh, you know, we've always had at the church, you know, a rule that if someone has a fever, you know, especially in the children's ministry, if a child had a fever, that, uh, you know, I think it was 24 hours, you know, you, you wait until the fever is gone for 24 hours before you, you come back and get around people. I mean, that's just common sense. But at the same time, we have faith to overcome these things. And that's where we need to, we need to grow so that we quench these things, we overcome these things. We, we're not afraid of these things. We're not afraid of these things. Praise God. Call for the elders of the church. Let's use faith on it. Hallelujah. Overcome the thing. Let's go back to verse 19. So that after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Notice that the Lord working with them, confirming, proving what they were preaching. He gave proof. He gave evidence to the things that were being preached. God backs up the Bible. Stand on the word of God. Preach the word of God. Declare it. And know that God proves it. God gives evidence that these things are true, that the word of God is the truth. Can you say amen? Praise God. God confirms these things. Hallelujah. All right, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, these are men. These are these disciples. It weren't just men, actually. Actually, yeah, here it was just men. But they had been born again. God had already, over in John chapter 20, in verse 21, Jesus appeared to his disciples after rising from the dead while they were hiding in that upper room. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so he, when he did that, that's when they were born again. The Spirit of God came to live on the inside of them. But now he's telling them. This is 10 days after that. He's telling them, now you wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized. That means submerged, submerged in the Holy Spirit, or immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So now we're not just going to have the Spirit of God in you, Jesus says. No, no, no. That's good, but that's not good enough. He said, I'm going to submerge you. I'm going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. That is what you and I have had happen to us if we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've been immersed in the Spirit of God. God is in you. God is all over you. Why don't you just, wherever you are, sanctuary, just lift your hands, just like I'm lifting mine, and, and just realize it. Just, just, just say, I've been immersed in the Holy Spirit. God is in me. 
God is on me. God is all around me. And he's a God of power. I've been immersed in the Holy Spirit. Amen. See, again, we're not just trying to get a teaching. We're looking for that transformation. Getting a hold of revelation concerning you. Sometimes you just got to stop and meditate and think on it. Just, just think about it. This is who we are. Man, these hands. And I've seen it happen. I mean, I couldn't count how many times. I've seen it happen. People healed. People delivered. Delivered from old demonic oppression. I mean, I've seen it come right out of these hands. Praise God, the power of God. Set captives free. You've seen it come out of your hands. God wants more of that. He doesn't want us to lose that. We need to be growing in that. Say, I'm contagious with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's right. You are contagious with the life of God, with the power of Jesus. So now we've been immersed in the Holy Spirit because we've received this promise. Now, verse 6, if you haven't, get ready to. You need to have this. Let your faith rise up and take hold of this promise. Most of us have taken hold of it, but we've kind of laid it aside. We're not really walking conscious of it, not really walking in any kind of real faith about it. That's getting fixed right now. Verse 6, Acts 1. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. That really kind of goes along with what I was saying before. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about the season. Don't worry about the strategy. Don't worry about the length of the battle. Don't worry about these things. Don't focus on these things. That's not what you need to be concerned with. But this is what you should be focused on. That no matter what time it is, whether in good times or in bad times, this is your focus. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wherever you go, you got power. Whoever you get around, you got power. No matter whether it's good times, bad times, doesn't matter how hot the trial is. You got power. Doesn't matter what the devil's got, what the world's got, what everybody's catching, what other people are doing. You got power. Come on. I want to preach this to you now. Get a hold of this. Say, I got power. You can't, you can't say that lethargic life and believe it. I mean, I'm, I'm getting hot, man. I'm getting fired up just talking about this. You need to be getting just as fired up listening. Put it in your own mouth. I got power. Now, this isn't just a church thing. Wherever we go, whatever time we come into, it could be the great tribulation. It could be the end of all things. Guess what? You got power. Now, say that. Say, I got power. Turn to somebody in the sanctuary and tell them, you got power. 
Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Oh, hallelujah. This is who we are. We're getting back to the book of Acts, friend. This is who we are. We've got to watch. We're listening to so much of worldly news and, and, and current events out here. We're listening to so many carnal, unsaved men coming up with all kinds of opinions. And guess what? That's what the church is filled with. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church in general. Filled with the opinions of men thinking like mere men, just acting as carnal as can be. Because we're listening to that, meditating on that, thinking and pondering those things more than we're pondering and thinking on these things right here. And friend, I got news for you. We're missing it. And I'm saying we're missing it because I'm stepping up my game. I'm stepping up my game. Don't get me wrong. I've always been a word man. I've always been a faith man. And every day I pray for people. The power of God goes out and sets them free and helps them and, and heals. And I, I mean, I see it every day, on the, whether it's on the phone or in person. It's happening all the time in my life. But we're not functioning here, walking around to the degree that we're supposed to, where we are walking like Jesus in all these things and continuing the works that he began to the level that he that he has. Many have a mentality that would ostracize you for, for standing up on the word of God. So we've got to get that turned around. It's starting with us as individuals, starting with our church right here. And then from here, we're going to spread it to other believers. I need to get back on television. Thank God we're on the internet. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and we're all over the place right now. But we want a big audience. We want believers everywhere to get a hold of this. We've got to get back to the book of Acts. Because I, I really believe if, if we as a whole were there, because it's not a one-person thing. If we were there as a whole, there's a lot of things that would look very different right now in churches, in our state, in our government, in our nation, and thus around the world. So we're getting back to the book of Acts. Verse 9. Now... When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who do you suppose these two guys are? They're angels. Guess what? There are angels still here working with us today. There were angels that manifested in a assisted Jesus in his ministry, and there are angels that are here to assist us today. Sometimes they're in white apparel, and sometimes they're just dressed like everybody else, and you can't tell the difference. But we have to be conscious of the fact that we have supernatural help all around us. There are ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister for us who are heirs of salvation. we got angels all around us, praise God, heeding the voice of God's word that we speak for. And while, verse 10, and while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Notice that it says, after Jesus had spoken these things, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
a cloud received him. Now, is this just a white puffy cloud? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's what the Bible says over in Hebrews chapter 11. It says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. See, Jesus, he went up. He was This cloud received him. In other words, these witnesses, these heavenly witnesses came, manifested, and received him up into heaven. And he says to us, we also right now here on earth, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by these. Who are these witnesses? These are the heroes of faith. Heroes in the faith that we would read about in the previous chapter. We're heroes in the faith. They stood up to sickness. They stood up to disease. They stood up to tyrants. They stood up to evil. They stood up to these things. These are the great witnesses, the apostles, the prophets, all the great believers. They are surrounding us, witnessing what we're doing right now. I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to act like a little weakling, a little sluggard, a little fleshly man. Well, I got these great heroes, warriors all around me watching, knowing that I have a better covenant. I got better things today through the full revelation of the word of God that's been given to me than they had. Should I be doing any less than them? Should you be doing any less than them? Come on, church. We're getting back to the book of Acts. We got to shake ourselves. Get back to who we are. Who we are. Start recognizing it. Get our identity back. Got to get our identity back and rise up and be the superheroes that the world needs us to be. The whole creation, Romans 8 says, is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? Those who are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Not those who are in the flesh. Those who are led by their carnal mind or led by carnal men. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. And and the whole creation is waiting for the revealing, the manifesting of the sons of God. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on me. They're waiting for us to rise up in this generation and be the sons of God like the Son of God in their life, in the world today, right now. And the world needs us now. It needs us now. It's time for a great awakening. It's time for us to wake up and start ringing the alarm and wake this world up and get back to the book of Acts, get back to the power of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, stand on your feet there in the sanctuary. Let's praise God together. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.